to be here. My husband and I and, our, and one of our children have traveled here from Vancouver, Washington. Y'all, it's raining here. Everyone says it always rains in Washington. It was 90 degrees yesterday in Washington. It was raining here. And my friends were like, thanks for bringing your weather. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Anything I can do. I'm excited to be here today. The Lord has burdened me with a message that I hope will encourage and bless you. Over the last couple of years, we've become friends with, the, with your pastor. And I got to tell you guys, I kind of stalk your church online. It's true. So I'm watching your service, because I'm about two hours behind you, so I'm watching your service every Sunday morning while I'm getting ready to go to my service, and I'm always challenged and encouraged. And by the time I get to church, my pastor's like, what you got for me today? (laughs) Because God is doing amazing things here at Abundant Life, because you have a pastor and a pastoral staff who are willing to lead you in the truth of God's word. Yes, you can clap. That's actually a good reason to be clapping. I thought I'd introduce you uh, to a little bit of the topic today. I'm going to be talking about, out of Psalm 127, about how God says our children have been given to us like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And so often we think that the message is just for parents that have children, but honestly, the message is for every single one of you in here. Oftentimes, we feel discouraged by the struggles that we're facing in the culture today. Anybody in here feel weary? Yeah, all you got to do is turn on the news, right? kind of feel weary. And I think sometimes the job of training the next generation leaves us feeling inadequate and fearful, but I want you to take heart because God says that you were born for such a time as this. You were literally born for this. Right time, right place. God knew that you were gonna be here today. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about that today and I hope it encourages you. Before I get started, I thought I'd introduce you to my family since they are not all here today. Uh, Jay and I have seven children. And they range in age from, I know, I heard this big gasp in the room. It's okay, I'm all right. (laughs) There's been some yelling involved, I'm not going to lie. But our kids range in age from 8 to 28. And so we're doing something in our house we like to call diapers to diploma. We are in it to win it, (laughs) okay? Yes. And uh, we became, about six years ago, we became uh, grandparents. Our daughter, Savannah, is married to Ryan. They have two little boys named Noah and Wesley who refer to me as Mamsie the best gig on the planet, y'all. None of the, all of the newborn and none of the night shift, amen? (laughs) I told the last service that I think I'm getting some sort of sinful joy out of watching my daughter parenting toddlers. (laughs) I'm like, wow, you look exhausted. (laughs) So hang in there. Uh, Our kids are amazing. Our second daughter, uh, Sierra, is here with us helping today, and also my assistant, Melissa, along with my husband. So when this is over, if you get a chance to go and meet them out of the table, I hope that you'll do that. All right, I never like to start speaking before asking the Lord to help me. I need his help up here. Uh, My kids hear me speaking in my flesh all the time, and I'm told it's not amazing. (laughs) So if you wouldn't mind uh, doing me the privilege and the honor of bowing your heads with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, oh, Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for being here today. I thank you for what you're doing at Abundant Life. I thank you that you are here in Lee Summit, Missouri. Lord, I thank you for your design for family, that it's beautiful and that it's God-breathed. And Lord, as we talk a little bit about what it looks like to raise children in the culture and what the battle looks like and what the implications are, Father, I ask that you would just speak through me. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that comes to my mind that that is not from you, that it wouldn't come out of my mouth, Father, we do not need to hear from the world anymore. We need to hear from you. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. 
Soften our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts, encourage us by the power of your spirit and we bless you and we say we love you and you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be speaking today a little bit out of Psalm 127. And most of you, I think, are familiar with the passage, but I want to start here because we're going to sort of build it from the ground up. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. This is something that every Christian needs to have right at, the, right at the forefront of their thinking in the battle that we're facing today because the psalmist is laying out for us that unless we do this thing with the Lord, we're kind of doing it for no reason at all. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. But we could go all over the place with that. But I just want to say we need to pray for our nation. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. We need our children to know that as their parents and their grandparents or their aunts and their uncles, that our trust is not in anything but the Lord. The Bible says that some might trust in horses, and some might trust in chariots, and some might trust in a political system, but we don't. As the children of God, we trust in what? Jesus, we trust in the name of the Lord. And that's really what the psalmist is saying. And now he's, gonna, he's, 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 saying, he's laying a foundation for you because he wants you to understand where blessing comes from. Blessing comes from the Lord because he's gonna go on to tell you how he defines a blessing. Take a look at this, verse three. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I'm gonna say that again. The fruit of the womb is a reward. This is so countercultural to what we see happening in the world around us right now. We have devalued children in this nation to the point where we are discussing infanticide. We have allowed abortion to run rampant in this nation, and I'm gonna encourage you today, like I encourage thousands of audiences across the United States and around the world, you have an opportunity as God's children to take a stand for life, to stand for what God stands for, to say if it breaks the heart of the Father, then it breaks my heart too, because I belong to the Father. I am who God says I am. And God says, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, I know often it doesn't feel that way. But God's trying to get you to see beyond where you are right now to a generation that's coming. You see, every person in this room, whether you have children or whether you don't, whether you're actively raising children or whether that season is behind you, or maybe it's in the distant future, God says that you have been given something very powerful. He has given you influence. He has given you a voice to speak for him. And he says, children are a heritage. They are a reward. Verse four, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I love this illustration of the warrior because you'll see this theme all throughout God's word. It starts in Genesis when we realize that there is an enemy, an adversary, and his name is Satan. And in Genesis, he disguises himself as a serpent. And he lies to Eve about who she is and her worth before the Father. And the Bible records that she falls for the lie. 
How many of you have noticed that that same adversary is using similar tactics on this generation, except for he's coming at it from a different perspective because it's a new generation. A new generation requires a different tactic. Now, I don't know about you, but as I'm watching what's happening in the world around me, I am comforted by the fact that God says in his word that he does not change. The culture may shift underneath your feet. Other churches may redefine truth. One of the reasons I love Abundant Life so much is because Pastor Phil every week unashamedly brings you the truth of God's word as it is written. The Bible says that we are not to add to God's word and we are not to take away from it. So we teach straight from the word of God. We allow scripture to interpret scripture. And then we say, when we, need, when we read the truth, Father, what do you want me to do with the truth that you have revealed to me in your word? And one of the first things that we learn is that we're in a battle. Your children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. We are at war. Over and over and over, the Bible will teach you that you have an adversary. And I want to encourage you, men and women, understand your adversary. Listen for his voice. Study his tactics. Because believe me when I say, if you are not studying him, he is studying you. He understands the weaknesses of this generation. He understands the struggles that we're facing. I don't know about you, but I never thought I would live to see a day when we were arguing over settled science, such as male and female, but that is where we are right now. But if you wanna know the truth, all you've got to do is look to the word of God. And so that's where I'm gonna take you today. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, lays out the battle for us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So often when we talk about difficult subjects, people will say that we're arguing about a particular people group. We are not. We are coming against wrong thinking in the name of Jesus. And we are saying, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I am who God says I am, and I'm going to raise my children to know that they belong to the Lord that they are his children and that he has a plan and a purpose for their life. Jeremiah says that our children, that God knew us while we were being formed in the womb. He said, I knew you. He said, speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. God said, is this not what it means to know me? To know me, to understand that you are in a spiritual battle. And then once we understand that the battle is real and that we are part of it, then the next step is to say, okay, Father, I understand. I'm in a spiritual battle. What's my role? What is it that you want me to do? My pastor a long time ago used to say, Heidi, God does not want you to sit and soak and sour in church. He wants you to get out into the community that he has placed you in and change it for the gospel. You are part of the battle. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We now know that our children have been given to us like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And each one of you was somebody's arrow. And ultimately, when your parents do what God asked them to do and they release you into the world, it is incumbent upon us to remember that we are God's arrow still. Every single one of you crafted in the image of God. You are image bearers. And God never does anything apart from a kingdom purpose. There is not a surprise to God what's happening around you in the culture today. Men and women, you were born for this. 
You were literally born for it. God is not up in heaven right now scratching his head going, I just cannot believe the mess they're making. I do not know what to do. No, nothing is taking our amazing God by surprise. And instead what he's doing is he's equipping this generation to do battle with an adversary who is constantly changing tactics. And what's under attack right now in the culture is very simple. Are you ready? You should write this down. It's truth. Truth is what's under attack in the culture. Several years ago, I signed a contract with Tyndale to write uh, a series of books for them. The first one that came out was called Becoming Mom Strong. And the reason I wrote that book is because I'm looking around me at a generation of mothers who are struggling because their children are asking them questions that the previous generation didn't even see coming. We didn't realize we were gonna be grappling with things like gender identity. We didn't realize we were gonna be grappling with the church that would walk away from the solid foundation of God's word and reinvent it in the image of man. And yet that's where we find ourselves and God is saying, I'm not surprised by this. I have crafted you, you are my arrow, born for such a time as this. God calls us to pass on a spiritual legacy. Every person in this room, whether you're raising children currently or not, God is saying, you know the truth of my word, pass it on. I heard a pastor recently say that when we were children, we would hear the rhyme Simon says, and we would, we would copy him. Simon says, pat your head, and we would pat our head, you know. Jesus said, go and make disciples, and we memorized that verse. God has called us to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. One of the saddest passages in all of scripture is found in Judges chapter two, and I'm gonna put it up on the screen for you today, but I want you to understand that Israel had been faithful in the days of Joshua. And now we're moving beyond, beyond Joshua's time and we're gonna come into a time when the Israelites are gonna rebel against God and you'll see why in just a minute. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, so he's talking about Joshua's generation. When all that generation who had been faithful were gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work he had done for Israel. I'm gonna stop right there. Why do you think it is that that generation did not know the Lord nor the work he had done for Israel? It's because the generation, even though they were following God, they were not doing what God had instructed them to do in its entirety because its entirety includes passing that legacy on to the next generation. And whenever we stray away from doing this, and this isn't just parents, this is on grandparents, this is on aunts and uncles, anyone in here who knows the truth, God says, speak it. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We have an opportunity to speak the truth in love. This is what happens as a result. Watch this. Then the children of Israel forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. Do you see that happening in the church today? You see, what happens when we forget to tell our children and our grandchildren and speak of the amazing things that God has done in our lives is that we become complacent I would like to think that if I would been, had been in Israel, a child of an, of an Israelite, when we had been in captivity in Egypt, that I would never forget when it rained frogs from the sky. I would like to think that every single day for the rest of my life, if I had seen God part the Red Sea, I would say to my kids, wake up, you guys are never gonna, you are never gonna get what God, what God did in my life when I was six years old. I was standing there on the shore of the Red Sea and 
But the Bible records that they forgot. The Bible records that they became ungrateful and complacent. And the result of their ungratefulness and their complacency resulted in disobedience. And the disobedience resulted in punishment. And the punishment was that their children worshiped the gods of the people around them. Do you guys see a correlation to what's happening in our churches today and in our culture today? I want to encourage you back to the truth of God's word. The Bible teaches us that victory begins at home. And it's so easy for us to pass our children off to an educator or to a pastor. Listen, I love your youth pastor. I love Pastor Phil, but it is not their job to raise your kids. It is your job. We do not go home from church, I hope, and put our Bibles on a shelf where they gather dust for six days and pick them up on Sunday and bring them back to church and pretend like everything's okay. We are called to suit up for war. It is not Pastor Phil's job to suit you up. It's your job. His job is to encourage and exhort and to teach and to mentor and to model. It's your job to suit yourself up for war. The Bible teaches us that Christianity is not biologically transmitted. It's got to be taught and caught by a new generation, which means we open our mouths and we speak of the goodness of the Lord. Our kids need to know how loved they are. I often look at what's happening in the culture around me and I think, oh my goodness, they don't know how loved they are. They don't know that God loves them. My grandmother used to say, Heidi, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> and she taught me that I was loved and that if, the, if I was the only sheep that had gone astray, that God in his mercy would come back just for me, that he loves me. When you see broken people who are confused about who they are and don't understand that they are image bearers of their creator, you have an opportunity to speak life to them. Don't be afraid. If you know Jesus, you have inside of you the hope of eternal life. This world is not the end, aren't you glad? We're going home, I don't know about you. Yeah, someone's like, I'm going home right now. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am ready for the Lord to come back. And I don't know about you, but when I see the Lord face to face, I want him to hear, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll look a little tired, but way to go. I want him to say, Heidi, thank you for being true to the message of the word of God. I know when my, when my children were younger and I began to look at education, eventually we ended up homeschooling our kids. But for the longest time, I didn't understand the power of education until one day I was reading in the Gospel of Luke and I came across Luke chapter six, verse 40, and it says, when a student is fully trained, you'll be like his teacher. And I realized that first of all, that's on me. I realized my kids, according to God's word, are gonna be an awful lot like me. Anybody ever said anything in front of their kids that you're just like, cannot take that back, and you're pulling really hard, but it went out there anyway? Anybody have your kids drive you to the brink of what you thought you could do? You see, education is it's important. It matters what we teach our children, and it matters who is teaching our children. When a student is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. Men and women know who is influencing your children. Know what they're learning in school. Know who's teaching them. Know what the ideology is behind it. Because according to the, according to the Bible, God's gonna hold us accountable for what our children are learning. 
It matters to him. You see, the battle is multi-generational. I used to think that when my kids graduated from high school, that would be it. Thank you for playing. I have a lovely parting gift for you. It's been a joy to raise you. Now go adult. (laughs) The Bible said you're an arrow in the hands of your warrior mother, and it turned out a couple of my kids were a boomerang. (laughs) 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 And they came back. But the, but the imagery is powerful because God is saying that what we're doing carries with it a multi-generational influence. Check this out. The psalmist, Aphis, uh, the psalmist Asaph in Psalm 78, this is what he said. Now watch this because I want you guys to understand how powerful your influence is. You are who God says you are. This is what he says. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. There's one generation. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born so that they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Did you, did you hear that? The Bible's teaching you that what you're teaching your children right now doesn't just influence this generation or the next generation or the one after that, but four generations from now. Don't get off the battlefield. God has something he wants you to do. Truth is in the crosshairs in the culture right now. The Bible teaches us that God defines truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And yet so often we know these verses and we can say them by heart, but then when the tough things come up, when our kids are faced with tough questions at school or when they're faced with tough questions at home or in the culture, we're silent on them because we don't know how to answer them. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of an encouragement right now. God is not silent on the issues this generation is facing. God is not silent on the issues that this generation is facing. In fact, God is anything but silent and his word does not change. We need to teach our children that God has an opinion. And at the end of the day, his opinion is the only one that matters. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to stick with what the unchanging creator of the universe has instructed me to do, not by some college professor who told me I came from an ape and it doesn't matter where I'm going. Amen? I have a slide. I'm going to put it up for you in just a second. I want you to take a picture of it. I think it will help you. I want to encourage you to look to God's word for the tough things that we're talking about in the culture today. God is not silent on the issues that we're facing. We let scripture interpret scripture, all right? So we go back to God's word and we say, Father, we're being, this, is, this is what the culture is saying I am. Who do you say that I am? And God will instruct you on the issue of gender identity. In Mark chapter 10, verse six, God said, I created them male and female in my image. You are image bearers of the king of kings. And God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. You are loved by your heavenly father. God loves you. I created you male and female in my image. About human sexuality, the Bible teaches us God's clear instructions in Romans chapter one and chapter two. Actually, all over the Bible, you can read God's instructions about human sexuality. Listen, we're making it very complicated in the church today, but it's not complicated. It's just that we don't like it anymore. 
But if we would open our Bibles and we would say, Father, open the eyes of my heart. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to Bible college. Open up your Bible and read it and God will show you the truth of his word. About creation, God teaches us about creation itself. He teaches us about the purpose of marriage, parenting, singleness. He teaches us in Ephesians chapter five, he talks about alcohol. He said, stop getting drunk. Do you know why he said that? Christians, why he said that, men and women? Because you are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us in Corinthians is as if God is making his appeal through you. It's really hard to listen to the appeal of someone who is constantly getting drunk. And so the apostle Paul is saying, knock it off. You're an image bearer. I love you. He teaches us about the value of life over and over and over again. And in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, he says, I have given them eternal life. God's word has the answers to every question this generation is asking. Where did I come from? Where am I going? Am I loved? Does God know my name? Does he have a plan and a purpose for my life? Yes, he does. It's in his word. He said, I love you. I send my son for you. God said, I sent my only son so that whoever believes in me wouldn't perish but have eternal life. You see, the stakes have never been higher. And you can see the enemy ramping up his argument, right? You can see this all over the nation right now. And I want to encourage you, if you want your children and you want the next generation to walk in truth, you have got to set the example, we can't pass on what we don't possess. We can't pass on what we don't possess. Do you want your children to walk in right relationship with God? Let them see you do it first. Do you want your grandchildren to have a vibrant prayer life? Let them catch you on your knees in prayer. Do you want your kids to develop a love for God's word? Let them see you become a student of the word. Every person in this room is called not just to follow Christ, but to become a student of his word. That is what a disciple is. It's one of the reasons I love Phil so much. Because he understands the value of discipleship. It's not enough for you just to come to church, study the word of God. Men and women know it. I've said this before and I'll say it again, we can't pass on what we don't possess and yet the church is desperately trying to do it right now. We're living in a generation of biblically illiterate Christians. Men and women who claim the name of Jesus, am I right? And we go to church and we know the right things to say and we can sing all the Lauren Daigle songs when they come on the radio but we don't know God's word and we can't defend it. Know the word. Years ago, a friend of mine who had been a welder for many years, his, his father had taught him to be a journeyman when he was about 14 years old. When he was about 43 years old, I saw him at a conference, this was a long time ago, and he said, you know, Heidi, I've discovered something about the church. He said, I've been a welder since I was 14 years old, and now at the age of 43, if someone were to call me and say, hey, there's a broken pipe over in the office building to the left of State Street, can you come down and fix it? If at 43 years old, after all this time that I'd been studying welding and performing uh, various fixes on very, in various situations, if I had said, oh, you know what? I don't really know how to fix that pipe, but let me refer you to my boss, he can do it. I would be considered an abject failure. And yet in the church today, that's a pass. Oh, yeah, I don't really know what that means, but let me refer you to my pastor. He could help you. Know the word. The Bible teaches us to be prepared to give an answer. We are prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Do you guys have the hope of Jesus in you? Know the word. 
The Bible says our children are arrows in the hands of their warrior parents. Our children have been given to us as part of the battle that we are in. And our job as parents and aunts and uncles and influencers and teachers and stewards of the message of the gospel is to pass it on to the next generation. If you have an opportunity to get involved, take it. Be a difference maker. I love the imagery of Psalm 127, and I brought with me a sculpture. So years ago, I was speaking on this passage, Heirs in the Hands of Warriors. It's become a theme of my life. If you go out to my table, you'll see. Other shirts say he trains my hands for battle. I have arrow necklaces. I am like every day. I'm on the battlefield. I live near Portland, Oregon, so I have to be. All right. I was speaking in South Carolina a couple months ago, and the lady said, where are you from? And I said, well, I just crossed the river from Portland, Oregon. She said, girl, you are living at the gates of hell. <laughs> I said, not trying to hurt your feelings, but you also living at the gates of hell. It's just that those of us who live in places like that know it because we smell the sulfur. It's coming this direction, people. Know the word. Know it. Be able to defend the word. So I was speaking on this in Oregon, and a young boy that heard me speak came back the next year for the same conference. He said, Mrs. St. John, that changed my life so much, I wanted to give you something. Now, in true homeschool kid fashion, he couldn't just write me a note and say thank you. He had to make me a sculpture. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite gifts I've ever received on the road, and I brought a picture of it for you. If you want to take a picture of this, you can. I, I love this image, all right? So first of all, can we just appreciate, stop and appreciate for just a minute the look in my husband's eyes? Like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? Seven children? Okay, onto the battlefield. But if you look a little bit closer, you'll notice that he's doing exactly what God has instructed him to do as the head of our home. He's on the battlefield with me, shield up. You can't see it, but at the, top of that, at the top of that shield, it has our name engraved, St. John. And if you look from the side, you can see that I am not behind him knitting a baby blanket. I am behind him listening to his instruction, and we are together aiming our arrows for the Lord. This is a beautiful illustration of what marriage is supposed to be. A husband and a wife on the battlefield. The husband in the lead, right? Shield up. There are arrows coming at, at that. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to launch your arrow. Because he knows that if that arrow goes out into the world, that's one less, one less opportunity he has to influence the culture in a way that would go against what God says is true. Understand what's at stake. Protect your marriage. What you're doing matters to the Lord. God never does anything apart from a kingdom purpose. And at the end of the day, men and women, God is absolutely committed to his glory. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm gonna go home pretty soon, so I guess it doesn't matter, but I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. God's not committed to your glory. He's committed to his glory. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see, God wants you to understand that the stakes are high and the battle is real, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's nothing that's gonna come into your life that's gonna take your amazing God by surprise. No rebellious child, no frustrating toddler, no car accident no illness. God said, I was here before it happened and I'll be here when it's over.
and I love you and you're mine. He says you're an arrow in the hands of your Father God. The Bible teaches us that you are the light of the world and that you are not to hide your light, but to let it shine. What would happen if every person in this room realized I am an arrow for the Lord and my arrow is on fire. We shoot those arrows out into Lee's summit. Every single one of you, wherever you land, the area that you live, the area of your influence should be on fire for the gospel because God shot his arrow full of grace and truth willing to speak the hard things to a generation in crisis with love and mercy and understanding. And you guys know what that would do? That would change Lee Summit and then Kansas City and then Missouri and then the Midwest and then you could come to my neighborhood and do it with me. The world should be different because Christians are in it. The world should be different because you are difference makers. And you have Jesus Christ inside of you, the hope of glory. You are God's arrows. The Bible teaches that you were literally born for such a time as this. You were born for this. Right place, right time. You're raising kids in the culture right now and you're thinking, I don't know how I can do this. And God's going, I do. I'm gonna help you. Here's my word. It's gonna be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna forsake you. I'm never gonna abandon you. And I'm never gonna let you down. And that doesn't mean we won't go through difficult things. I've walked through the pain of losing a child. We've been through difficult things in our 30 years of marriage. And I'm here to tell you right now, you guys, God is faithful. He's good. And no matter what happens around you, God's heart toward you will always remain the same. He is always, ever, only good. He loves you and his mercies are new every morning. Amen. You are who God says you are. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I thank you that you say in your word that, you know, that you'll never change. There is no shifting shadow with you, Father. You're the same. Thank you that you love us and that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son, God, and he, and he spilled his blood and he died for us. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see ourselves on your continuum and that we would see ourselves as part of the battle that rages all around us. Father, right now I pray for the mother who has lost a child. Oh, be near. Be near. And to those who have lost a mother and those who are struggling with their mother relationships or struggling with the relationships with their children, Father, we need your help. We're looking to you. We trust you. And Father, I pray for the woman who's listening to this right now, whose heart yearns to be a mother. Lord, the battle is real. Lord, help us to know that we are seen by you, the one who made us, that we are loved by you, that we were born for such a time as this, born for the battle, arrows whose purpose is to light your world with the hope that we have in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would leave this place today with that image in our mind and your love stamped on our hearts. Father, help us to change the world around us because of your great love. And it's in your name, Father, for you are worthy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know how much we appreciate her being here today.
Hey, I know there's a lot of encouragement in that message, a lot of challenge. We wanna let you know if you need some time to process or someone to pray with, we're gonna people right down here along the front after the service. Love to meet you in the story room. Heidi will be actually out in the lobby at her tables. Finally, we're starting a new series next week in Ephesians called Gotcha. It's all being adopted into God's family. We'd love to have you join us next week. Thanks so much.